Hi, I'm Rob Vilnev, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Changing a corporate culture can feel daunting, but the first step is to try something that feels like it'll point you in the right direction, measure the results, and repeat. Start small, but do it fast and repeat it often. Be open and honest about the success or failure of the small steps. Try again if you have to. Many small steps will add up quick and the positive momentum will result in real change. The key takeaway, there are always more ways to improve your culture. Set yourself up to overcome hurdles by taking small incremental steps. Measure the results and repeat. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. Is your startup financially fit? Join 10,000 entrepreneurs across Canada building financial foundations with Intuit QuickBooks. Attend a Startup Foundations workshop online or in a startup community near you and receive a free one-year subscription to QuickBooks Online. Visit www.startupcan.ca forward slash finance today to register. Entrepreneurship doesn't have to be tough when it's cooked right. Co-founder of Relish Gourmet Burgers serves up well-done recipes for startup success. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to visit the iTunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I am your host, Rivers Corbett, founder and CEO of Coaching by Rockstars. Ever thought about a career as a business coach? Coaching by Rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch. Visit coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. My name's Rivers Corbett. Excited to be here. And we have got a really cool guest working in the area that I think is really magical and really needed. Mr. Mark Skapinker, he's the managing partner at Bright Spark Ventures, which is a Canadian venture capital firm focusing on early stage tech companies. Mark has been an entrepreneur and seed investor in the Canadian software industry since the inception of the personal computer in the 1980s. And I was there. He offered, not necessarily with Mark, but in the 80s when that came about, he offers entrepreneurs and insiders views to the scope and magnitude of what it takes to create and build a company from an idea through to a thriving company. Mark is on a mission to help grow the best early stage companies in Canada. And I love this pivot, the traditional VC model. I like the word disrupt to open new opportunities for individual accredited investors. And today we're going to talk to Mark about new sources of capital, emerging models of financing for startups in Canada and 
equally as important as to how to give back to the community. Mr. Skipicker, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here. Right on. Well, look, you've been a tech entrepreneur since the 80s, which is very interesting. And I don't remember the word tech entrepreneur, let alone the word entrepreneur <laughs> back in the 80s. But I do remember about the personal computer and uh, and all kind of wondrous things. Actually, I think it was the, no, it was probably the late 70s that they brought out beta and VHS. That was the magic then. And uh, so tell us about your journey, my friend. You know, what's, what's changed since? Since then, and, and what hasn't? Well, my my journey in two minutes. Um, I I came from South Africa to Toronto in the early eighties, and I was very lucky to have discovered a thriving software industry. I'm not sure that many people know, but Atari and Commodore were both founded in Toronto, and were both pretty thriving down on Queen Street in those early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I founded a company here in Toronto in 1988 called Delrina. We had a software product called Winfax. Um, Not many people remember Winfax, but it was the first ever communication software product for PCs. It turned your PC into a fax machine and let you communicate with other PCs, which you couldn't do till then. We sold over 30 million copies of Winfax over the next few years, did an IPO in NASDAQ in 1992, grew to over $150 million in sales with about 800 people. And in 1995, along came this thing called email, which we knew was going to take over the world and change Winfax, and we sold the company to Symantec and got out of it in 1995. Um, I I then dabbled in the massive internet growth that was taking place, and in 1999 decided that venture capital was where where my career was heading. Started BrightSpark then, and I've been investing at BrightSpark for nearly 17 years now. So, uh, you know, obviously your journey has had success along the way. What make you? What made you want to say, okay, I'm done being the entrepreneur as you were in the 80s to switching to become an investor? When I was an entrepreneur, there were very few VCs in Canada. And the few that we met and the, and the folks that we met in the U.S., the best VCs were ex-operational executives. These were people who'd run software companies and came out of the operating side as opposed to the financial side. And I really believe that that really was the key to venture capital and helping this industry move. And I wanted to move, work with this next generation of entrepreneurs, financially capitalize on what was happening in the industry, and started uh, BrightSpark at that stage. The most exciting part about this whole journey doing that is many of the people who worked for us then along the way are now the leaders of the industry, people like um, Alan and Eva Lau or Marcel Lebrun, Matt Golden, Duncan Hill, many of the people who are now running very successful software companies and venture capitalists started off with us and We've we, we we've really seen an entire industry get created in the process. Well, I love that in my uh, in my intro, you talk about the pivot from traditional VC to really start to support those uh, those beginners, if I could call it that those those real startups. And you know, um, why why do you even have to begin the pivot? Why why doesn't the industry just naturally say, look, it's a good fertile ground of opportunity? Well, you know, it's like many of our companies. We, it's it's really interesting to see that all these venture capitalists are busy working with their companies, saying, "Take advantage of what's changing in the industry. Have a look what is and isn't working, and pivot your company appropriately." Yet the VC industry itself 
hasn't really changed in decades. Mm. It's still the pretty state stayed business. In fact, the the business round has changed, and most of the VCs haven't changed. And I think that we will see a massive change take place in the next few years. Um, you know, the, the reality in Canada was that in the in the first decade of this of of, of the two thousands. Institutional investors investing in venture capital, these are the people who invested in venture capital firms, did not see a very good return. Um, much of the activity between 2000 and 2010 led to many of the institutions leaving a very government-driven venture capital industry, um, really the government being the source of all capital. And we turned around and said, something's wrong with this. We know that this is a really, really exciting industry. We know that whoever we meet says, wow, we'd love to participate and figure out how to invest in that industry. Yet the institutions are getting tired. It's only the, the, the government that's involved. Why don't we try to come up with a model that lets individuals who are excited by this industry invest in it? And we followed a trend going worldwide of crowdfunding venture capital Mm. Turned to that in 2012, and we we haven't looked back. Uh, recently, we, we 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 focused on building our network, and we are now over 1,000 members in our investment network of individuals, and it, it's fabulous. We 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 now have the ability to offer individual investors the ability to to invest in venture capital, which they they all want to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They do well. Good for you to be the lead. And I love the when I say I love the word pivot. I love the word disrupt even more. And uh, I concur. As uh, when when things start to go backwards, uh, that's when uh, when uh, the the changes will start to happen. And uh, and fantastic that you saw saw that way before it was uh, it was going to happen. So tell me about your day as a managing director of uh, of Brightspark. I uh, I'm always intrigued with uh, the managing director's role i mean it's it's is is there hr associated with it also is it, or is it just purely no i have to look for what's what's best opportunities for my uh, for my uh, stakeholders yeah you know uh, it, it 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 has the realities of every other job which is <laughs> operational stuff and management and everything that goes along right but i'm i'm very lucky that my my job and my hobby are the same thing. Yeah. So, so it really gives me a chance to, to – we spend a lot of time keeping up with the industry, figuring out what's going on, where are the new trends, where are the new exciting companies. And we, we meet literally with hundreds and hundreds of companies every year trying to find the right business. And that's the most exciting part. We meet fascinating people with with ideas. You can't imagine some of the ideas that 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 we see out there. Um, we 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 tend to see hundreds of companies. We do do we do deep diligence in tens and invest in a handful of companies. But it's amazing how much activity there is and how exciting it is. Yeah, it's a really a change. You know, it's um, I was fortunate enough to play a, a part of a of a roundtable discussion uh, with the Startup Canada Day on the Hill. Uh, last year and uh, we were we were the entrepreneurship party and uh, and uh, my 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 minister focus was the one on culture and I said I said if there's one thing I'd want to do is just tell the freaking stories more and more and more because like you said there are tremendous things that are happening right in our own country let alone around the world but we just have to become better at telling those stories of these ideas and these transformations and these journeys so it's uh, I can hear and I can feel the passion of uh, of you when 
when you're you're saying you're you're connecting with these people. So that's just awesome, awesome stuff. Um, what are some emerging models of uh, of financing for startups that are uh, that are happening right now that uh, that you're seeing besides obviously what you're doing? Well, there's there are quite a lot of new trends in terms of some of the new things happening in the marketplace. So within Canada, we recently saw 500 startups arrive. We saw Angelist arrive. We saw our crowd arrive. They're all trying to figure out the specific nuances needed for functioning in the Canadian industry. But the exciting part is that there are new investors stepping up to the table and there's new money coming on in, into the market all the time. So because so many individuals have the ability to invest through some of these structures, we're seeing a lot of fresh money We've seen the results of the Canadian government's VCAP process a couple of years ago. And finally now we're seeing a momentum that I haven't seen anything close to it in the 25, 30 years that, that I've been involved in this industry. We, we finally are seeing a, a fairly rounded industry. There are definitely some holes in the marketplace, but we're definitely seeing a well-rounded industry and a lot of new money entering the marketplace. So you, you say the, 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 the landscape's changing, the environment's changing, the uh, new money and so on. So, and, you know, uh, and the, there's, a, there's a certain perception as to how the investment process works. How, do, how does it work for, for BrightSpark? What, can you kind of take us through a high-level view of, of how you consider, evaluate, and ultimately make decisions on, uh, on companies you're going to uh, recommend to be invested in? Well, we, we, we actually take a very disciplined approach. Um, we've learned over the years what works for us. That doesn't mean that other models don't work for anybody else, but we've come up with a model that we really, really know works for us, and we're very disciplined in that approach. Um, our primary focus is finding leaders and, and entrepreneurial teams. When we find a team that we can believe in and we can we can see that passion and we can see that these guys, this group of people are going to succeed no matter what, people like Ben Zifkin or Marcel Lebrun or Fred, Fred Deland, we know that that's the right group for us to invest in. After that, of course, we need companies that have significant differentiation, meaningful IP. Um, in our case, we're slightly later, so we need some shipping product and referenceable, referenceable customers. And of course, we need to know that these companies can become big, meaningful companies that can absolutely disrupt the, the, the world and make a huge change. And we quick, we, we, we seem to be seeing more and more repeat entrepreneurs and more people that, that fit into our model. So it, it's a very exciting opportunity. What do you say to people, Mark, who who come to you and, and they say, I have a great business model, but it's not a unique idea. Do you uh, do you kind of say, well, look, I've, I've got to have the, the one that's the only one? Not, not necessarily. I mean, there are sometimes opportunities for more than one player or more than one way to do things or more than one way to change things. If, if they have something that is going to be, has the potential of becoming something meaningful and dis disruptful, then it's there. But the reality is that I don't think that most entrepreneurs that we see think big enough. Most of them come and say, I've got this idea to do this and this idea. And I say, well, how big is that going to be? Like, are you changing the world? Because the reality is, if you're going to succeed in this business, you need to dedicate 24 hours a day for the next five or 10 years of your life. You need to throw absolutely every piece of energy that you've got on it. So you might as well take on a big idea because it's as hard to do a small idea as a big idea. Yeah. And, and we, we just find that, that, that not enough people are trying to do something massive. 
you know, very recently in the in the last while, we we saw a company that that we invested in called Hopper in in Montreal. This guy started this company seven or eight years ago, and has been in it, and he has completely disrupted the travel industry and the flight industry and the way things work. And today he's doing over a million dollars of sales a day with tens of millions of customers. And just recently closed a large round of over $50 million of financing. So it can be done. So why aren't people thinking big in your view? I think more and more people are thinking big. I think that we're seeing a major change. I think we're seeing a lot more confidence in entrepreneurs. Um, this is across Canada. Um, our most successful uh, investment was in, in your neck of the woods when we invested in Radiant 6. Mm -hmm. uh, Marcel Lebrun, an incredible vision, came to us early on. We saw it in his team. We invested in him, and we invested three, four million dollars, and it was it gave us a return of more than twenty five times on our investment. Yeah, it's, it's a great success story, and I know it's. Uh, I, I like to say it's. You know, I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, and I like to still celebrate the 1993 uh, Cup, and just like people in New Brunswick still like to celebrate the great success that uh, Radiant Six did and Marcel and his team. So, uh, and and what's interesting out of that uh, as a point of interest is that he and his colleagues continue to give back to the community that. Uh, that was good to them from the beginning. So there's, there's some real spin-off effects from that. Awesome, awesome stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time where we need to take a very quick break, but we will be right back with more from our amazing guests. Stay tuned. Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints from original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. Thank you to our sponsors. And we are back. Um, what, um, Mark, what, what common mistakes are you seeing entrepreneurs repeat when, when trying to acquire capital? And so, you know, and, and on the other side, what advice do you have for them to make the best bang for, uh, for their buck? I, I think that they should. Try to make sure that they understand that this isn't a one-size-fits-all. They should look for a fit. If they're going out to raise to raise money, they should look for someone who who has first of all who has a checkbook, and is uh, is is capable of signing that check for them. Is focused on businesses like theirs, shares their values, their corporate culture, and shares what they're trying to build. There's a lot of different kind of VCs. There's a lot of different kind of investors. There's a lot of different kind of businesses. And I think the first thing any entrepreneur needs to do is look for a fit. Look for somebody who's actually investing what they're doing. And then everything becomes a little a little easier. I'm, I'm not suggesting that it's easy. It's really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. Out of every hundred companies that are out there, only a very, very small handful of are, are being invested in. But it's just a question of keeping your head down and enduring. You know, when, when we started the arena in 1988, we went out. There was not a single VC in Canada. We went to Boston. They said to us, what do you guys know? You, you're trying to start a company in, in Toronto and nobody's done this and we're not giving you any money. And we said, okay, well, we'll figure it out some other way. And we did. Mm. And there, there are a lot of ways to, to do this, but, but, but try to make sure that you don't run after the 
the wrong people. If somebody's a late-stage investor, don't go to them with an early investment. Mm. The mm. second thing, again, is build something meaningful. If it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's not big, go home and start again. Do something big. And I think the third thing is there's no harm in dropping what you're doing and starting again. There's, there's no harm in saying, you know what? We came up with a great idea. We went out to test this on the market, and it turns out that customers are not ready for this this year, and we don't have the capital to, to, to wait for two or three or four or five years, and this isn't happening. Stop trying to run out and raise money and, 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 and hit your head against the wall trying to do something that you know in your, in your heart of hearts you don't believe in, and it shows when you present it. Just give it up. Do something else. There are so many good ideas out there and so many big opportunities, there's no downside in saying, you know what, the market's spoken and I need to get on with it and do something else. And and very few pe- people today are willing to do that. Mm, I love it. Yeah, that's right. You got you to gotta know when to move on. And whether that's with your own or organization or, hey, th- I'm done with this. I'm going to move on to something else. And talk about other organizations. You founded the Upside Foundation as a way for corporations to give back. And uh, a little earlier in our, uh, in our episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, uh, I was really really lucky to host Janie Goldstein, who's the executive director of the Upside uh, Upside Foundation, sorry, on the Startup Podcast. And so, um, look, that's been a while since we've talked to her. Can you tell us about that uh, that great foundation again for our guests that may not have heard about it? And, uh, and how are you giving back to the community in that regard? Certainly. I mean, uh, frankly, I'm constantly amazed by the goodwill in our industry, the, the, uh, the values that our Canadian companies have and the, 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 the willingness that they have to share their, their, their upside and the, the opportunity. When, when they do well, they want to share that with the community around them. They understand that, that, that they're very fortunate to be in a position to start these companies, to be in a society where they can grow the companies that they do. And really what the Upside Foundation says is when you're a small little company and your company's very equity-rich and very cash-poor, give a very small amount of your company and options because one day when your company's worth a billion dollars and you sell it, you can give away 1% of that company to charity. It works for you. It works for society around you. It creates a great corporate culture. And it works. I, I'm I'm constantly amazed how many companies are stepping forward and giving to organizations like the Upside Foundation and how successful it is. And I'm amazed how the, the CEOs and the the management teams are, are real keen to participate in, in giving giving back to society. Um, I personally have had a personal rule that every time we have an exit, every time we have a gain, uh, something has to go back to everybody around us. This is not a personal journey for any of us. Mm, yeah, well, it's, uh, it's it's. I know it was a great conversation. We talked about many different things that were going on and uh, how to participate in uh, in the Upside Foundation. And congratulations on uh, on uh, doing that. And it really goes to uh, goes to show that indeed businesses do want to give back. And I think that some sometimes the businesses take a uh, you know a sidestep to society thinking oh there's just all about money 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 no it's uh, it's it is about giving back and you're absolutely correct is that there's a great willingness to to do that um in in as many ways as possible and uh, and your organization is is one of them to prove that so so uh, mark you know what is what has been your biggest learning to date as uh, as an as an entrepreneur uh, slash investor i i think there's a few things i think the first thing is 
don't underestimate what you can do. This industry is still very young. There's still a massive opportunity, and there's very few industries like this that have this opportunity. There is the ability for anybody to start a business, create an incredibly large opportunity, and, and believe in yourself and believe in your ability to go and do it, and, and really you can do it and, and, and create some something meaningful. I think that the second part of it is have some patience. Mm. Um, I know that that you know everybody dives in and says, "Well, within three four years, I'm going to have that huge exit in this major company and this this big business." We found that the companies that hang hang in there, that have enough patience, that do it properly, that build something meaningful, that that the reality is. Tackle a problem that's difficult because if you solve a problem that's difficult, then you create the most value. Again, I was talking earlier about this company in Montreal, Hopper. We've watched Hopper grow over eight years. And in this industry, that's a lifetime. But the reality is eight years is nothing Mm. in, in, in somebody's career and their ability to make a difference. So have some patience in there. I think the other big learning that I've had, and I think in this regard, I, I probably differ from many of the people that you'd probably speak to at, 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 on, on, on your podcast. I don't, I don't share the belief that we have to create some very, very big Canadian companies. I think that the way we're doing it, where we're creating businesses that grow, get acquired by the big U.S. companies, spins out a whole bunch of new companies, grows, gets acquired by U.S. companies, is actually a model that's very enduring, that creates lots of value, that's very healthy for the economy, that creates incredible learning for everybody in the organizations and ability to to, to spawn new new businesses. Um, I witnessed Nortel and Rum and watched what happened when those companies went away and, and the devastating sort of holes that they left in the communities around them. Um, there's a lot of pe- people running around saying, we have to have some big companies out there. And frankly, I don't think we do. I think that I've spent a lot of time analyzing the Israeli marketplace, which is out of Silicon Valley, the most thriving tech industry. And they are constantly just creating incredible value with solid businesses, selling them to the large U.S. companies. And and it it, it really, really is a model that grows out there. And I'd encourage anybody to to just watch this industry. You know, when, when there's an exit... It's fantastic for everybody. When I look around today and see 30, 40 different businesses that grew out of our little Delrina in the in the in the 90s, the reality is that with the companies we have today, we're going to have hundreds of companies sporting out of the businesses we're in, and it's by no means anything negative in having early exits. Early exits are great for everybody. Is that your vision for the future? I mean, is that the direction that you see us going more and more because of uh, because of what you just talked about, or is or uh, is 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 there another vision that you have? I I, I actually think that. There's an incredible future for the technology industry in this country. Our, our universities, our educational institutions are amazing. We have people from all, all over the world. We have a, a safe and stable environment around us. And these are all the things that, that you really need to create a great tech community and a, a, a community of, of, of next generation intellectual property and 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 
that's really where this market's going. I, I, th I think we're just beginning to see the start of what's going to become a massive tech community that, that ultimately will, will drive an economy that isn't relying on, on, on natural resources. Mm. And natural resources don't, aren't going to last forever. They, they're not going to be there for our mm -hmm. children and grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Intellectual property isn't going anywhere. Our educational systems are, are far beyond anything out there. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Mark, this is, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at my clock and it, this has been a fast and furious conversation with amazing depth of value for uh, what you uh, had conveyed. And, you know, it's, it's in, uh, just before our conversation today, I was having a conversation with a, with a young entrepreneur and he, he ran across, <laughs> he ran across a, a hurdle or whatever. And, uh, and he's dealing with a big, Big opportunity, and to hear you talk about, you know, just dig down and make it work is just, uh, you know, a message that I think is is re will resonate with him, but also resonate with other entrepreneurs that are uh, that are coming along. So, on that note, is would you have uh, a final word of advice? Actually, I have two questions before I get going, I, and I, I'm, I'm interested in this. If you had one book that you could recommend to our listeners, and you you were never allowed to recommend any other book again for the rest of your life on how to be successful as an entrepreneur. What would that one book be? Wow. <laughs> and I won't hold you to it, by the way. You can actually uh, do do two or three if you want. But yeah, you know, I, I always I always believed in the early days we had this this book called Crossing the Chasm. Okay. Um, and Crossing the Chasm really spoke about how you need to get a product that is customers really want yes. and then start getting customers to buy and then really focus on how to scale that up <laughs> and frank frankly a lot of those those lessons still still endure today i i, I think that maybe i'm an old guy so I, I i but i think a lot of the lessons that that we learned from 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 that that book endured wonderful um, and what would be one of those lessons you would uh, you would you would focus in on for our guests i think that I absolutely think the lessons to get to, you know, I think everybody should should just understand that this really is a question of believing in yourself. Mm. If you believe that you can, that you have an idea and you have the ability to create something that can make a massive change out there, go out and do it. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to be in the, uh, interestingly enough, if you look at the history of the technology industry here and in California, a lot of people who were involved in the early 80s were children of the 60s. These were people who were out there to go and change the world you know when when the when the old hippie movement ended and the next generation came along these these were largely if you look at steve jobs and a lot of the people out there these were people who wanted to go and change the world and a lot of it just came from believing in themselves and believing in the ability to do it and i'm seeing the same thing in a lot of young people today i meet people from all over the all over this industry and they just the people who believe in themselves and know that they can do it and can get out there and do it they actually can do it. It's, it, 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 it. it's amazing. So if there's anything I can tell you, just don't listen to the noise. Don't treat this industry as a popularity contest. Ignore all the noise. Ignore the, the, the people who want to get out there and get seen at every possible event. Stay at home and create an amazing product. You'll be much better off. <laughs> We're lucky to have you here. Yes, South Africa's loss is Canada's win. We're really lucky to have you, Mark, uh, in our country doing amazing things, investing. Uh, and I know that you're not only focused on Canada, but uh, really it's been a real honor and a privilege. And I look forward to the opportunity to shake your hand directly. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank, thanks for having me. No problem, sir. Have a great, great day. Thank you, brother. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can catch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Kelsey Ramsden, Canadian entrepreneur and founder of KelseyRamsden.com, and you're listening to the Startup Canada podcast. I wanted you to talk about your piece of advice for women to, and, and this is what the question says to me, and I hate the question because it's, it, to me, a, a village, it, you know, it's, it's all about entrepreneurship uh, and we're, 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 we should all be heading in the same direction. The question says, what's your top piece of advice for a woman looking to get ahead in a field of men? And I don't like the word ahead. I just like to achieve their best where they're living the life they want to live and, and, and not trying to compete against men, dealing with, with what's best for them so what's your top piece of advice for for women that are entrepreneurs that want to drive strive and so on that are dealing with i'll call it male male innuendos and so on spinning off of the award like it is canada's number one female entrepreneur right so as much as i hate that men versus women thing Mm -hmm. i benefited from it like let's Mm -hmm. be honest so um so i think what it comes down to is strategy okay so you're dealt so many cards you can choose to play them or not right um when i won that award for a minute i considered not accepting it really interesting because i don't want to be known for having tits Mm, right mm -hmm. i'd like to be known because i'm actually pretty clever Mm -hmm. i'm street smart as you know what and i'm a pretty decent negotiator Mm -hmm. and i'm a pretty good time um I don't want to be the one who got somewhere because of this whole, like she's wearing skirt jam, but, uh, but strategy kicks in and goes, how does this benefit me? Right. Right. Let's be realistic here, woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and let's check our ego at the door and, and involve some strategy. So I, I approach it the same way when I was doing my construction business on the daily was I'm surrounded by men. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a certain kind of expectation for what a woman in construction is all about. Mm-hmm. And mostly that expectation is she's all about not being there. So, <laughs> um, so and that's, you know, and that's nothing against guys in construction. That's just been the norm history, yeah. right? Tradition. Yeah. So it's just something we feel and understand. Um, but so if there was a way for me to get a meeting with someone who otherwise wouldn't meet me, aside from the fact that I was kind of a freak show, like who's this woman <laughs> that's 28 and thinks she can do something, let her have a meeting, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't care how I get in the door because once I'm in, I'm going to blow that place up. Awesome. And so I'd say, you know, don't focus on the fact that he comments on whatever or any of this other kind of stuff. If you can use it, do it. Um, I don't mean sleep around or any of that other kind of stuff. Don't no, do no. that. You know, that no, there's, there's principles and values and all that stuff yeah, associated. Right? You, you, can, you can sleep well at night with it. And, and, you know, sometimes it works in your favor. So I had this one guy one time came in for an interview and I was in the office and he walked in and he said, um, hey, honey, can you get me? He kind of looked around and said, I'm here for the interview. I said, great. 
he said, hey, honey, can you get me a coffee? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I went and I got him a coffee and then I started coming back and I said, oh, what would you like in it? And he said, no, I mostly just asked you to get it so I could watch your ass while you walked away to get it for me. Lovely. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Um, you're here for the interview. And he said, yeah, where's the boss? And I said, you're speaking with her. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs>